You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. We're in a series this month titled Stronger, and uh, we've been talking about uh, how to sum up strength in moments of weaknesses or when we come face to face with our weaknesses. We all have weaknesses and we all stumble upon them sometimes or sometimes we're keenly aware of them. And how do you move forward when your weakness is in the way? How do you move forward when the awareness of your weaknesses are the thing that you know the most? And we're going to look at, uh, continue the story of uh, uh, Israel. Uh, I'm titled this message today, Up Close. The title of the message is Up Close. And if you were here last week, we talked about the people of Israel and their journey uh, from inception to Egypt, from Egypt to the desert, and uh, up until the moment where they came to the edge of the promised land. And I want to pick up from that moment. And we read a scripture found in Numbers chapter 13, and I want to read it to you just to get you up to speed. Numbers 13, 27, 31, this is the people of Israel. Uh, the spies came back from spying the promised land, and they came uh, to Moses, and this is what they told Moses. And they told him, Moses, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Those were giants. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea all along Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, about ten of them, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. And this is where we ended last week. Telling you that sometimes we come to the edge of our promised land, but we don't have either the courage or the belief that we can go in because we have seen the giants in them. We have seen the difficulty and we come face to face with our weakness. And I encouraged you last week, if you haven't heard the message, I encourage you to go listen. Uh, Last week I encouraged you to not compare yourself to your giant because certainly you will feel small. But compare your giant to our God because he is much greater and much more powerful. And when you do that, you will summon up the strength to go into the promised land. Well, what I left out last week is that the people of Israel did not do that. (laughs) They didn't do that. As you saw in the text, they came back and out of the 12, 10 of them told Moses, we can't do it. And they told the people, we can't do it. And the people believed in their weaknesses. They believed in the fact that they were weak and they couldn't come up to defeat the enemy and take over the promised land. See, a new generation had to arise. From that point on, they had to stay in the desert for 40 years until a new generation arose that could take on the promised land. And I think there's a, there's a problem here that they faced. There's a problem that you and I face 
today. See, what kept them from the promised land was not that they were keenly aware of their weaknesses, but is that they were not aware of anything else but their weaknesses. It's not that they believed in their weaknesses, because it was a very true thing to believe in, but that they didn't believe anything else but their weaknesses. And I believe, I do believe that our weaknesses have a part to play in our journey. Your weakness, my weakness, they have a part to play. Now, this is where I need to clarify because, you know, what I mean by weakness, I don't mean sin or wrongdoing. All right. Sin is something that corrupts you from the inside. It takes down your morals, your values from the inside out. It affects you badly. Okay. Wrongdoing is bad. It harms you. So don't go <laughs> making bad decisions and say, I heard at church that, you know, my, wrong, my, my, my weaknesses have a part to play in my life. That's not what I mean. <laughs> okay. We're talking about being stronger when we face our challenges, when we come to a breaking point, when we come to a moment where we're face to face with our weaknesses and we are paralyzed. We can't go on. And the, these are the moments where you face your inabilities, where you face that, that moment where you, you know you f- you've fallen short. You have fallen short in talent. You have fallen short in capacity. You have fallen short in your gifting. And even though you you sense in yourself that you're supposed to move forward, you look at your your strength, you look at yourself, and you can't. Because you feel like you're not enough or you don't have enough. And we all have weaknesses like that. We all have weaknesses. And I think that the trap that we fall in is the same trap that the people of Israel fell in. Instead of looking at what Paul did... Remember the first week we talked about Paul and how he said that when he's weak, then is when he's strong because he was boasting in his weaknesses. Paul chose to take his weaknesses and believe that God can show his strength through his own weaknesses. But instead of doing that, we do like the people of Israel. We look at ourselves and we say, yeah, I cannot do this. It is impossible for me to actually take on this challenge, for me to believe in this dream, for me to believe in this promise. It is impossible for me to take the step toward this thing that I sense I'm supposed to do, but I can't because I just, I can't do it. And we are paralyzed. That's what happened to the people of Israel. And my question for you today is, what is your greatest belief? What are you to believe the most on the inside? Do you believe in the power that's on in the inside? Do you believe in the life of God in you? Or do you believe in your weaknesses? Are you more aware of your weaknesses than anything else? See, sometimes we come to that place where the greatest assurance we have deep inside is of our weaknesses. The greatest belief we have is of what we can't do. The greatest conviction we have is about our shortcomings. And I'm not saying that you don't believe in yourself. I'm not saying that you don't believe in your abilities, that you don't believe that you have any abilities. I'm saying that the greatest thing that you you are aware of is of your inabilities because you're facing that giant, that unexpected situation, that unexpected challenge, that thing that's coming against you and is pressing against you and it's making you aware of what you cannot do. And that's the first thing that comes to your mind when you try to go for your dreams or the things that... You think you're supposed to do. See, when you're facing something bigger than you, if if this is you, 
you probably don't even flinch. You probably look at, at, at the situation and go like, nope. You don't even wonder, like, could I do that? You just go like, nope, can't. I know I can't. I've tried it again and again, and I can't do it. And you were adamant and completely convinced that you can't do it. And if you can't avoid the challenge, if you, if you, if you can avoid the challenge, if you can run from that fight, if you can just step aside and not engage, that's what you do. But here's what's interesting about that approach. What the people of Israel noticed about themselves was not inaccurate. And this is the conundrum that we face often in our lives. What the ten people said when they came back with, with that report saying, you know what, there are giants in the land, they're stronger than we are, we can't defeat them. They were right. And that's the challenge, right? Because it's not that you are inaccurately gauging your strengths. Is that really in that specific area, at that specific point, you really have found your weakness. So what do you do? What do you do when you come to that place? When you are 100% right like the people of Israel were, and they can't do it. See, this is what happened later. Uh, and you can read the text right there, continuing on Numbers 4, uh, 13 and 14. Joshua, Caleb challenged them. Moses went to God and God was like, what am I going to do with these people? They don't believe in me. You want me to start it again with you? The same promise I gave Abraham, I will continue with you. I'll be done with them because they can't believe in me. And I'll continue in, with, your, with your children. It'll take a little bit longer, but we can do that. And Moses goes like, no, 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 God, please, no, don't do that. Let's, you know, let's work something out here. He interceded for the people. Very interesting relationship that happened there. Really, really interesting interaction. But what happened is that the people of Israel thought, all right, maybe we should go. And they went and they lost badly. They lost the battle. I know this is the part of the message where I'm supposed to, you know, uh, encourage you and lift you up and say, you can do it. But you, you wouldn't believe it, would you? Because you would say, J.D., you don't know me, and I can wish that I could do it, but I'm the one with the scars. I'm the one with the pain. I'm the one facing the wall. I come here on Sundays. I hear the word. I'm encouraged. And maybe it shifts a little bit, but honestly, it's a real weakness. How do you move forward? See, sometimes we can, take, we can take refuge on the slogans of our day. And there is a great slogan of our day. And I'm probably going to step on some toes here. So stick with me, okay? One of the greatest slogans that we hear nowadays is believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. Whoa, J.D., are you going there? <laughs> are you really going there? This is your first time. Stick with me, okay? Just give me a little grace here. Knocking your person who invited you going like, you said that this was supposed to be an encouraging message with a positive outlook. <laughs> this doesn't seem encouraging nor positive. <laughs> Listen, I do take issue with the believe in yourself slogan of today, okay? And it's not that 
I'm not, I got to be clear about this because it's not that I don't value confidence and, and confidence doesn't have its part. It does. You have gifts and talents that probably are untapped on the inside that God wants to lead you to tap into so that you can come to the place that you're supposed to go to. I do believe that every single one of you here, you have gifts and talents on the inside that are untapped. That if you have a little bit of confidence in what God placed in you, you will discover that there are things on the inside that you can develop, talents, gifts, a, 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 a slew of tools for you to use to move forward. But here's the issue that I have with the believe in yourself slogan of today. Is that it can creep in into the message of the gospel right at those moments where we come. And this is a very, like, a moment of weakness where we come to that place and we can hear and, and think Jesus is here or Jesus came and the message of the gospel is about turning us into supermen or superwomen. To where the only job God has is to keep away the kryptonite. But we can do all ourselves. God took care of sin and he took care of, of the devil and there's nothing you can't do. Thank you, Jesus, for keeping away the kryptonite. Really, there's nothing you can't do? Are we in the same planet? There is absolutely nothing you cannot do. There's a lot that I can't do. And I'm sure there's a lot of limitations. And this is why I take issue with it. Because the self that you're believing in, when you say believe in yourself, the self that you're believing in is a limited self. The self that you're believing in is a, is, a, is, a, is a self with limited strength, limited patience, limited time. And we're not supermen and superwomen. But we do serve an all-powerful God. So the gospel is not about like turning us into supermen and superwomen. And sometimes we can take refuge into that. And this is what happens many times, disappointment. Because even the believe in yourself slogan of today doesn't work when you come to that wall where you face your weakness. Because belief, let's just take that apart for a minute, right? Belief. Belief needs truth. You cannot believe in, it, in something that you know is not true. It has to be true to you. If you've ever believed in a lie, if you've ever been wronged, and you've ever believed in a lie, to you it was true. And it was a sense of deep disappointment when you discovered that it wasn't true. But guess what? When you found out the truth, did you believe still? No. Why? Because belief needs truth. Belief depends on truth. And when you're face to face with your weakness... Even though belief doesn't need proof, belief needs truth. And when you're face to face with your weakness, that is the self you believe in. That is the self that you're turned to. That is what it, when your weakness is evidentiated and that's all you can sense in you, that's the only self you have to believe in. So how do you move forward when believing in yourself doesn't work? You know what? Some people turn to skepticism. Because if you can't believe in yourself, in order to believe in yourself, you have to doubt everything else. And you come to that place, you know, where things are easy to doubt. Have you had that day? Have you come to that place 
where uh, uh, you've just had a bad day. Where you've come close to your weakness so much that you don't know what to believe in anymore. You don't know if you should believe in yourself or you should disbelieve the whole story. See, the thing about a skepticism is that you can doubt just anything and everything. But it's not going to move you forward. You start, you start listening to the story. You start listening like the people of Israel. Well, I mean, was there really a promise? We should just go back. Who's Moses anyway? Let's, let's get somebody else. And you can talk to ourselves in that way thinking, should I really do this? Am I really called to do this? Do I really have the talent? And that can get deeper into, is, is that really a giant? Is, was it really wrong? What about God? Is God really there? You know, what about purpose anyways? If all I am is a collection of molecules that are predisposed to behave a certain way and to make decisions a certain way, is purpose even really something? Is it really even something for me to believe in? And here's the thing about skepticism. It's easy to be a skeptic. And nowadays, you can even sound smart by doubting. But when you're a skeptic, you never get into the battlefield. Because skepticism and doubting puts distance. There has to be distance. You can't come close to anything and be a skeptic. You will see the truth about that thing, including yourself. And you will have to have some kind of conviction. And conviction demands truth. Conviction demands truth. So what do you do? When you have come face to face with yourself, with your weaknesses, and believing in yourself doesn't work and doesn't move you forward, and being a skeptic and doubting everything doesn't work because it paralyzes you because now you're isolated from everything and everyone and everything else. What do you do? I don't know if you've had those days. I don't know if you've had those bad days when you want to laugh, but you can't because everything is so evident. I'm talking about when you come to the end of your abilities. I'm talking about when you come to the end of your patience. When you come to the end of your strength. I'm talking about those days when you are on the 12th round and you get knocked out and you really want to win the fight. But you don't know how you're going to get up on your feet again. I'm talking about burnout. I'm talking about exhaustion. What do you do when you face those days? What do you do? How do you move forward? See, I believe that the very awareness of your weakness is what can propel you forward or cause you to drop and give up on your dreams. And we have two options, really. You can't be on the fence. You can't be a skeptic and take your, take your, your life out of the fight. Because if you, if you live in doubt, you will never engage your giants. If you live in doubt, you will never go into the ring. If you live in doubt, you will never engage anything with conviction. And sometimes if you believe in yourself and believe in the weakness alone, you will look at the giant and like the people of Israel, you will say, I can't do it. I can't move forward. I can't start that business. I can't. Live for that dream. I just can't do it. I can't start a family. I can't be a husband. I can't be a wife. I can't do it. I'm just not material for that. 
I can't pursue the dream. I can't. And that's all you hear, your inabilities. And that's what you begin to believe in your inabilities. But I want to present to you in a very simple way an alternative. And that's my single point of the message today. My single point to my message today is that you got to get up close. You got to get up close. Up close to what? Well, if you get up close to your weaknesses, that's all you'll believe in. But there's an alternative. There's something mightier, something stronger that you can get up close to. Because what you behold, you become. What you get close to is what transforms you. And for those days where that's all you see, your weakness, all you see is, you know, it's just your inabilities. There's something you can do. I want to read a passage found in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 12 and 18, where Paul refers to the people of Israel. And here he pinpoints their problem. The problem they had was not really the giants. The problem they had is that they could not behold God. Since we have such hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who put on a veil on his, over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But the minds, their minds were hardened. See, their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted. Because only through Christ it is taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read and the veil lies over their heads, a veil lies over their heads. But when... One turns to the Lord. The veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Listen, hardships can harden your heart. When you come against something and, and you're knocked down, your heart can be hardened. To believe in anything else. You can, you can cause you to just take a step back and say, I, I can't let anybody in. I can't let anybody come up close. I can't let anybody in, in my heart, including God. You can take a step back and say, I, I, I don't really want this. I don't want any, any, any part in this. I just leave me be. I don't want to believe again. Because if I do, there's a risk. Well, I want to ask you this morning to consider this. Consider the fact that if you come up close to the wrong thing, yes, you might be disappointed. But when you come close to God, when the veil is removed and you behold his glory and you find in him strength, you are transformed. And here's the thing that I want you to leave with today. Proximity causes transformation. Proximity gives you a revelation not only of who you are, but it transforms you. See, for that bad season that you had, you know, the, those bad days that you had, they happened because you came up close to something. There was proximity to something. You got close to either the person or the business or the job, and you became vulnerable. And sometimes what we can do is, I, I, I can't do that again. I'm not going to risk it again. And my, invite, my invitation to you today is to come up close to the one who made you, to the one who is for you, who the one who has the strength, to the one who has the strength to move you forward. He can do it. See, this is what Jesus did. This is what Jesus did. 
Typically, we think of Jesus as someone with all the strength, almighty, all-powerful, and that he was. But he faced weaknesses too. And I believe the moment of his greatest weakness is what we know as the moment where he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. In Gethsemane, Jesus was in a moment of weakness and anguish. And the scripture says in Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 through 41, Then Jesus went with them, the disciples, to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking him with him, Peter, and the two sons of Zebedee, that's John and James, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. He came to the disciples, found them, found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, So you couldn't watch with me for an hour. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. See, even in this moment of deep, deep sorrowfulness, Jesus revealed a major lesson here. Is that when you come to, those, to that point, that breaking point, that, that the edge of the promised land, when you come to those places where all you see is your weakness, there's always a tension. There's a tension between the awareness of your weakness and the willingness of your spirit. Because you want to go forward. You want to believe the dream. You want to believe on what you're called for. You want to believe on the inside. You want to believe that you can move forward. But you have come to contact with your flesh. And the flesh is weak. The flesh can't go further. See, no one understood what he was going through. No one was there with him understanding what he was going through. And that may be you today. Maybe no one understands what you are going through. Maybe you're listening to me speak to you and you're saying, J.D., you have no idea what I've been through. And you have no idea the kind of wall that I've come up against. You have no idea the kind of weakness that you're actually speaking to here. That's the same thing that Jesus was sensing. Because he knew what he was about to face. Nobody knew. He knew what he was about to face. He knew that he was supposed to give up his life and suffer and be killed. He knew what was coming. He had seen it time and time again. He had seen the crosses. He had seen the way the Romans treated people. And he knew that that was supposed to happen. But this is what he did. He got close to God. The band can come in. He got close to God. And today I want to encourage you with this simple thought. Proximity will make all the difference. Whatever you come up close to will determine your future. If you stay close to your weaknesses, that is your stopping point. You will be paralyzed. But if you choose not to believe in your weaknesses alone, but to believe in something much more powerful, much greater, the God that created you, that gives you the strength, you will rise again and you will see the promises come to pass. See, you might, you might, you might have believed in some weaknesses and, 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 and you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where you go like, it's there. 
But there's a greater truth than your weaknesses. And the truth is that the strength of God is available to you. That's why Jesus came. If you are here this morning and you have something on the inside, see, you have a call, you have a desire, and you have things holding you back, and you are afraid, and you don't think you can do it, I got to tell you, you're in good company. Because Moses, the man we just read about, when he was hiding in the desert, he was a fugitive in the desert. And he saw a burning bush. And he walked toward it. And he sensed the presence of God and he heard the voice of God. And God called him and said, you got to go rescue my people. What was his answer? God, I can't do that. Who am I? I can't even speak. Who am I to go up to Pharaoh and bring the people out of Egypt? But listen to what God said. I will be with you. I will be with you. The same thing happened to Gideon. When God showed up and he was hiding in the trenches, trying to save and sum up some kind of food for his family because... The enemies would come in and sack and take, uh, take all of their, their food, all of their supplies. And he was hiding, just trying to get some supplies, just trying to make ends meet, going from paycheck to paycheck, just trying to get the bills paid, just trying to put food on the table. And God called him and said, listen, you have a purpose. You're going to rescue the people of Israel. You're going to defeat the Amalekites. You're going to defeat the enemy. What did he say? Who am I? I'm from the smallest clan. And I'm the least in my father's house. Who am I? What did God say? But I will be with you. I will be with you. When Jeremiah was called to prophesy. He had to speak with some, to some pretty important people. People who had the power to kill him. People who didn't have to listen to him. And God called him and said, I, From the womb I knew you, and I have called you to speak. What did he say? God, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't even speak. I don't have the talent. I don't have the ability. I don't have the, the, the capacity. What did God say? Don't be afraid, for I will be with you. And when Jesus went through his death, when he took on your weaknesses so that you could be strong, when he took, he took on your pain so that you could be healed, when he took on your worry so that you could be set free. And he rose again. Before he left this earth, this is what he said. I will be with you. Always. This is my word for you today. Even with your strength, you can move forward because God is with you. Even with your weaknesses, you can move forward because God 
is with you. He is with you. And if you can believe that, if you can believe that on the inside, if you can take a step toward God, I know sometimes it's, it's what Alini said here earlier today, it's, it's a bit difficult to go into a, a kind of belief that you haven't seen anything before. God is for you. He's with you. He's saying, I am with you. James, the apostle, wrote, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And that's my invitation to you today. You want to be stronger? You want to move beyond your weaknesses? Your weaknesses might be real, but God's strength is even more real. And he can take you forward. Do you receive it this morning? Why don't you stand?